Hey, Aaron Cahoe. As you may have heard in the previous episode, this is Curious City's 10th anniversary. And to celebrate, we've got a special giveaway. Anyone that supports this show with a donation will get a chance to win a Curious City backstage pass. One lucky winner will see firsthand how Curious City episodes are made. Also, if you give $10 a month, you can pick up a special 10th anniversary mug. This show, like everything else at WBEZ, is largely funded by listener donations. And Curious City needs you to give what you can now at wbez.org slash Curious Decade. Also in the past episode, you met Christine Billups. She won our big December drawing for a trip to Iceland. And the funny thing is, she didn't even know her donation was getting her a chance to win. There was something in the drive I was listening and then they popped on and the case was made, you know, a couple more dollars. I'm like, you know, I happen to like Starbucks. You're welcome to judge. And uh, they're freaking expensive. I'm thinking, well, if I can afford a six dollar cup of coffee, I can give two dollars more a month because I'm I'm well aware that NPR is dependent on its listeners to keep going. And if I value this source, then I need to help it keep going. NPR, WBEZ, Curious City, it, it all relies on listener donations. Every donation matters. Every person counts. Please, give what you can. Get your chance to win a behind-the-scenes peek at this great show and maybe even pick up this wonderful 10th anniversary mug at wbez.org slash curiousdecade. Hi, everyone. It's Curious City reporter Adriana Cardona-Maguiga. You know, I love going to the theater, sitting in a room full of people, shoulder to shoulder. The lights get dimmer as the bells ring. The room gets quieter with the anticipation of a play that's about to start. And then the opening act. Chicago has all kinds of theater these days. Broadway shows, internationally recognized storefront theaters, but you probably don't hear as much about the free or pay-what-you-can community-based stuff, which gets us to this week's question submitted by a resident from Alameda, California, with a strong connection to Chicago. My name is Lisa Patton. I live in the Bay Area with my partner, Doug Castle, who's right here. I love hearing his stories of living, growing up in Chicago. I do. <laughs> I do, in the 60s. And uh, he's a good storyteller. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Not a liar, just a storyteller. <laughs> just a storyteller. <laughs> Doug was highly influenced by the theater scene back in the late 60s and early 70s. Actually, he was in it. Those are some of the stories Lisa's heard from her partner, and she wanted to know. Have you ever discussed the Chicago Free Theater on Curious City? Well, we haven't, but we're going to on this episode. The Chicago Free Theater was a short-lived but powerful theater group that was around from 1968 to 1974. They put on avant-garde shows that sounded like this. As the name suggests, it was free, only donations. It's not the same as Free Street Theater. That's a different group. I'll talk about that later. The Free Theater shows had very little dialogue. It was more musical, rock cantatas. Along with videos and slideshows highlighting social political issues of the time, things like racial inequality and the war in Vietnam. Century will 
aging and the times were bad. But he had a voice and he had a brain. It was unique, experimental, and open to people who didn't have much access to the theater. In this episode, we'll be talking about Chicago Free Theater, what they did, and what free or low-cost theater looks like today. That coming up. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Doug Castle, whose partner asked us the question this week, was quickly impressed after watching a free theater show for the first time in 1968. He was 18 and doing improv with another local theater group. We had finished our show, and then as we were getting ready to leave, in walks, I didn't think there was anything else happening after the show. It wasn't announced. This group of musicians walks in with amps and projectors and you know uh, instruments and and they just started setting up I said what the heck is this and so I sat down and I watched the show and I went whoa the show was called the Civil War a rock opera the story was a parallel between the Civil War in the 1860s and the cultural turmoil of the late 1960s. I mean, it was pretty intense. I mean, it was of the time. <laughs> Seeing this show, The Civil War, inspired Dog to join Free Theater. The Free Theater was specifically a company that created rock music-based avant-garde theater productions. Albert Williams is an associate professor of instruction at Columbia College. There were singers, both of solo singers and a chorus, and then behind them were projected multimedia elements. Today, when we talk about multimedia, we might talk about video. But back then, it was eight millimeter movies projected onto bedsheets. He says people would see the show and be really taken in by it. Grabbed by it, want to be part of it. They would then join the theater company Albert, just like Dog, joined Free Theater after watching a production. New members didn't need much experience. There was no audition, I should say. But once you were there... They would give you assignments according to your abilities. Dog was ecstatic when he suddenly became the main drummer. I didn't audition as a drummer or anything. These were all amateurs, you know. And so one night... He had actually been helping out with the stage lights. And the drummer didn't show up. And I had talked to one of the band members about it, and so the composer didn't know anything about it. So I just, he said, do you, knew the, do you know the show? I said, yeah, I've seen it a couple times. So I got up and played the show, and I was there for two and a half years. Everybody did everything. I think this is a very important aspect of the free theater. We sang, we performed, but we also laid down the, the lighting cords. We hung the curtains for the projectors. We uh, took the money at the door at the end of the show. We, we made the pitch for donations. We cleaned the house afterwards. We cleaned the bathrooms. Albert was in the shows, and he helped write some of them. 
Here he is performing in a production called Achilles, a show about the Trojan War, an ancient tale adapted to protest the killing of soldiers in the Vietnam War. There's something wrong with a man who wants to go home to play with children. For Doug, it was his first real drumming gig. It was amazing that I was, I felt like I was shot out of a cannon, you know, in some ways. I was in heaven. At getting food and shelter till Free theater that Heaven Dog was suddenly part of was created by William Russo in 1968, a well-known composer, conductor, and jazz musician. Russo also taught at Columbia College, which supported free theater. He was a very powerful presence, you know, he was definitely a leader. He was a major force behind the success of free theater. And he could be a little scary sometimes, you know. It was funny because he would start the show off and he'd get himself revved up and he'd go, Aah! his big scream to get the band to come in at the same time. And we were always like, made a, the hair in the back of our heads stand up. At first, Free Theater performed in a vacant space on the north side. It's shared with another theater company. They even performed in a church and other non-traditional venues away from the mainstream theaters of the city's downtown area. Another powerful and political Free Theater show written by Russo was called Liberation. The show, Liberation itself, was very political because it was about Socrates, and Thomas Paine, and Che Guevara, you know, three political martyrs, and so it was very political. The late 60s and 70s were important years for theater in Chicago. The city was developing a grassroots theater scene that was reflective of what was happening in the city at the time. 1968 was marked by the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. There were ongoing protests against the Vietnam War. We have protested the use of the university to support the war in Vietnam by again discovering military... That same year, Chicago was home to the Democratic National Convention, where law enforcement met protesters with violence. Mr. Chairman, thousands of young people are being beaten in the streets of Chicago. But Chicago didn't just have an anti-war movement. The civil rights movement was at its peak. People were speaking up against racial inequality. Around this time, the women's and gay rights movements were gaining momentum. A lot was happening on the streets of Chicago. These younger ensembles, like Free Theater, developed their own artistic identity. They were less traditional. The theater would be doing all this stuff about revolution and war and and uh, historically, and at the same time, they'd be using this space to, to talk about how to uh, keep the police under control, the town hall. People would get up and speak about, you know, everything that was going wrong or people that had gotten beaten up. Or The line between reality and, and, and theater was pretty loose. <laughs> Free theater reacted to moments of the time like when the prominent black activist Fred Hampton was assassinated in 1969. 
Doc says the issue's free theater was taking on and the scruffy free-form quality of their productions drew huge crowds. We used to have lines around the block, you know, so... And, we, and even though it was free, we did get a lot of repeat business and people would just get addicted to coming to the shows. In 1974, the Free Theater stopped making shows. Columbia College merged its theater and music departments a few years later. William Russo, the group's founder, had many other projects going on involving his jazz career and composing music. Its cast members moved on to do other things. Making Free Theater Productions was a big commitment. Free Theater was free theater for us, too. We just did it out of pure passion and just wanting to play. But while Free Theater was around for only six years, Albert says it helped shape Chicago's rich theater scene today. I think that the Free Theater and that off-loop theater movement did pave the way for other theater companies that are still functioning today. Today, he says, Chicago is a theater capital with Tony Award-winning productions and about 200 theater companies in town, including the Steppenwolf and Victory Gardens, which got their start in the mid-70s. Steppenwolf, for example, started in a church basement in North Suburban Highland Park. But over the years, Albert says, that grassroots theater scene he was part of during his younger years changed. And became much more about professionalism and slickness and maybe became, without trying to become this way, maybe became a little bit less accessible. It was also centered on the north side of Chicago and it became more about entertainment. If you didn't fit a certain uh, conversation, then you weren't really included. It was less inclusive. The free theater tried to be inclusive. So what happened to the free theater mission of accessibility? of being open to the public, free or low cost, anyone can join. Does that still exist today? That's next. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. One of the few grassroots theater companies from back in the day still doing free theater now is Free Street Theater. No, not the same as Russell's Free Theater. Free Street Theater started in 1969 in the wake of the 1968 riots. Their productions are based in the community, including local parks. They often use non-actors, people from the neighborhoods, different from what you usually see at the cultural bigs, places like Steppenwolf or the Goodman Theater. 
One of Free Street's recent productions was called Hood Moms, a series of stories written by several women about their experiences growing up and raising their kids in back of the yards on the south side. The stories included fun memories, their fears, their challenges. Sometimes they were in Spanish. Después de dos semanas, por fin encontré unos rollos. Y eran de México, con el nombre Rosa. Y dije, OK, pensé en mis tías. Ruth Guerra was one of the participants. She performed the show at a park and other spaces in the neighborhood. Y me abrazó y me dice, es que no voy a, no sé qué voy a hacer sin ti. No sé qué voy a hacer sin ti, mana. Like Ruth, other moms perform their own stories, live storytelling. And the audience, people from the neighborhood, friends, family. We wrote, we performed, it was beautiful. It was bilingual, it was in Spanish. The stories, you know, some of the stories were in Spanish because we only had Spanish-speaking women, you know? But it was super fun in the age range, you know? Like, todas eran mamás, but we had like a 20-year-old mom. She says participants then invited other moms to join in, to write. And then they performed it. And then it was just ongoing. Ruth says, being part of that show, she got to know the residents in the neighborhood. Moms she didn't really talk to before. I'm friends with Consuelo, who is like somebody I would have never been friends with. Like, I'd be like, ah, Consuelo, hey, you know, like she only speaks Spanish. She, you know, came here from Mexico. Aside from working with Free Street Theater, Ruth has done other shows with different community groups. She's committed to making theater that's low cost and accessible to residents in many other parts of the city. Several years ago, she joined other artists who pitched a big tent in the backyard of a home in Pilsen. This grassroots theater initiative was called the Southside Ignoramus Quintet, or SICK. The whole tent idea was partly in response to a lack of affordable performance spaces in the neighborhood. We had a Black Jesus sketch. Hey, uh, Lionel Richie, can you step upstage so we can have some room for Jesus to come through? I am Jesus. No, Jesus is a Jew. I am a Jew. No, you're black. Don't shoot! <laughs> I won't shoot you. But I am more furious with you than I am with Tyler Perry. Ruth says she suddenly had a huge following in Pilsen of people who could relate to the characters she played. This was really different from what she had experienced in several auditions with bigger, more established, well-known theater companies. You know, those theaters still put you in a category. I go to an audition, I know who I'm going to see. Other Latina actresses auditioning for the same stereotyped role. So she says she's going to keep doing these grassroots theater shows with local artists and focus on writing her own work. In Chicago, there are other small companies that are doing this work within their communities. And there are opportunities to join them. Do you miss acting? That's Louis Pascasio. He's with Circa Pintic, a group that also does a ton of theater about the Filipino immigrant experience in the United States. Oh, gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> I acted in one of their plays a long time ago. You know, if you're, I, if you're I still open, we need actors. <laughs> They're always trying to recruit people, including me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know what? If I didn't have a... You know, like kids and a full-time job. I know, uh, but it was a lot of fun. I I love it. Okay, moving on. Circa Pintec has been working with teens and adults for about 30 years. 
All we do is work 14-hour days in the fish galleries. There's 15 of us in the room. And the they welcome anyone willing to commit to rehearsals and at least four weekends of actual performances. We work a lot with non-actors, meaning with no training. You know, I guess that's one difference if we compare ourselves to the other, the other companies. The shows take on subjects like mental health, women's struggles. They've even partnered with a community organization to put on productions about domestic workers. Even those domestic workers who are part of the discussion became actors on stage. So they're kind of telling their stories and they're also acting it out. Their productions aren't entirely free, but they are low cost, around $15. And students and seniors get discounts. They also take their performances all around the city. We've, you know, performed in church basements in Edison Park. They like moving around the city and meeting people where they are. But they say having a permanent location is also important to build a regular audience. And building an audience is important to sustain this type of grassroots, low-cost theater. I know I'm strong. Louis says to get more people, they need more exposure and, of course, more money. You know, we've, we've, we've had years where, you know, we're all volunteers, you know, and no one gets at least a, a part-time stipend. And it's hard to sustain an organization, so who's going to write the grants? Who's going to do marketing? We can't be all actors. Louis says it would be nice if smaller theater companies partnered more frequently with the well-known, more established theaters to share performance space and raise their visibility. The pandemic changed the way many groups do theater today. Circa Pintec and other ensembles are hoping to put on more in-person shows soon. And they say the best way to support them is to go and check out their productions. The free theater archive tape you heard today comes from shows composed by William Russo and Robert Perry. A big thanks to Columbia College, Doug Castle, and Albert Williams for providing other archived materials. Also, a special thanks to former members of the Southside Ignoramus Quintet for digging out samples of their previous work. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation and produced by Jason Mark, Joe DeSoe, Andrew Merriweather, and me. Maggie Sivet is the digital and engagement producer. Asia Singleton is our intern. And Alexandra Salomon edits the show. I am Adriana Cardona-Magigad. Thanks for listening. And hopefully, I'll see you all at the theater. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.